welcome friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry, where we get to talk to folks who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And today my guest is Linda Rousseau from Phoenix, Arizona. And we're doing a Zoom. So hi, Linda, how's it going? It's going well. How about you, Dick? Oh, it's been a fun day, actually, a fun day because I, I kind of met you today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew of you through this ancient secrets miracle game that goes on every Sunday morning. And uh, somehow today it just... Uh, Linda Rousseau, she would make a wonderful guest on our show. <laughs> so here we are. Good to meet you. Thank you. Same to meet you. I'm, I'm happy that we had this connection. Yeah. I came across on one of the websites because I had to I had to poke around and, and find out a little bit about you. You have a, a trademark handle, Mind Surgeon. And that fascinated me. I, Maybe we could just start with that and work backwards or around, however it might go. Okay. Well, actually, it was a um, inspirational download that I received and wrote it down in the middle of the night and decided to see if that was actually available. Because when I thought about the, the work that I really do, it is surgery of the mind. And it's because of taking these intricate steps into the beliefs of individuals and being able to unravel it and rip it out at the core so that there's nothing left. So it is an, an intricate surgery. And that's why the title mind surgeon just fits in well for what I do. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, so I guess our, our audience needs to know that you're a uh what we would call a transformational coach or a life coach, or how would you, yes. what adjective would you use with coach? I would say transformational. The, the bottom line is to transform lives. You know, I love to inspire people, but I want to go beyond inspiring. And that is to help an individual that truly wants to see a difference in their life, to realize the dreams that they've, probably just tossed away and thought it just wasn't possible to make that a reality. Wonderful. So, yeah. I, I sometimes have a little trouble with the number of inspiring people out there. So I'm very happy to hear your approach. This is, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm very relieved actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I'm going to guess that you can't help somebody else do this kind of intricate work if uh, that work hasn't been done on yourself. Uh, I, th I think our uh, title of our show, um, Building a More Humane World from the Inside Out, uh, always has to start with us. Yes. And uh, I read on one of the sites that you had your start in Detroit, Michigan. Yes. You know, um, it is an inside job. And 
many times individuals feel that if I attain this goal or if I buy this shiny new object, life is going to be spectacular. And then they're in for a rude awakening. And just my humble beginnings was a start that I had no idea was to build me up to where I'm at today. Coming from a place of poverty, of um, I didn't even think of the fact that it was a single family home. It, that was so common. Mm -hmm. I grew up that you just dealt with it. And as I realized later on in life, I lived in survival mode most of my life. So as a result of that, it was um, asking myself the question, how can I attain this or that? And at a young age of 13, I lost my mom to heart disease. I have a had a 19-year-old brother who was the oldest of four of us who took on the, the huge responsibility to become our guardian so that we could stay together. And as a result of that, that was me stepping into adulthood right away. You know, we had no idea this was coming. Um, my mother knew, but she didn't share it with us. So it was survival mode on steroids because we just had to keep going. It was no time to pause. I realized there was, you know, really no time for me to even mourn because it was, how do we keep going from this point? And as a result, uh, fast forward, I actually began working in a middle school at the age of 19 myself and just really related well to the kids and saw the labels, the problems that they dealt with, and they just grew to me, on me, and they came to me with their problems. They were, knew they could talk and trust me, and as a result, we um, just bonded. So I was able to help a lot of kids who were considered at risk, where they were able to take a step over those many obstacles, even with some, unfortunately, attempting to trip them up just to get them out of the school and helping them to realize the greatness they had in them. And it was just a, a beautiful transformation that I began to see at that point. So I, after working in the school for 15 years, you know, I, I looked for a way to move up and was miserable because my heart was with the kids and not with the uh, red tape involved in the school system, unfortunately. But um, having left there, went to Tennessee for two years and then landed in Arizona, which is where I truly knew that this was my purpose to help individuals transform, to help individuals that are dealing with labels. And now it's another group that I truly do have dear to my heart and that's the millennials because they're so labeled as being a problem in this day and time. And they're far from it. They're, they are so brilliant, so innovative. And there's this huge gap. And I just wanna bridge that gap and help them to see that there are those of us that want to help, that have the wisdom they need so that they don't fall, fall into the same pitfalls that we fell into. 
and to be able to utilize these gifts they have to make things better, to um, be great leaders that they already are, but don't realize it's there or other people haven't recognized it. So that is my current state. And then even actually healing the nations because of the recent turmoil that has come to pass and it's needed more so all over the world, not just America. So it, yeah, more from Detroit to the current state to being worldwide. Wow. That's a, a nutshell of quite a journey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, I guess we could say that back at Detroit, uh, working in the school, you, you started as a secretary, but then you got access to help the basketball teams. Uh, it seemed like yeah. you even grew in your responsibilities and uh, access to students at that time. Yeah, I had access to all the kids anyway, because they ended up passing through uh, uh, me because there was constant transition happening in the school. Mm. And then when um, I was asked to assist with basketball, that was perfect for me because I always loved basketball. I enjoyed playing it. And because of the fast growth that I uh, took on going right into adulthood, I didn't have an opportunity to play it in high school as I wanted to. You probably, uh, as you said, in survival mode, there were bills to pay and there was food to put on the table and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go to work as soon as possible. So I was able to get a summer job at the age of 14. And after that, I didn't want to wait until the next summer due to programs they had set up for um, underage students to be able to work. So what I did was I lied about my age so that I could start working mm -hmm. a part-time job. And that's what I did. Uh, so I've been working since the age of 14. Wow. I think you were working because in your, in your mind, you had to work. Yeah. I might've been working from the age of 14, you know, throwing papers in people's porches, but it was not because I had to work. There's a whole right. different uh, mentality when, when you know that this is what you got to do. I mean, you got to do it. Uh, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I had the decision to make, to be able to be a teenager, participate in activities in school or go to work because of having lived in poverty, I didn't want to live that way anymore. Uh -huh. So I had this focus that I, I will go to work and make these things happen. Yeah. Well, your work paid <laughs> off. That was wonderful. So uh, Phoenix must be an alive kind of a place where you made some pretty amazing connections. Uh, how, did, how did all that come about? Well, Phoenix is a huge city and yes, lots of connections. And after I decided to, well, realized I had a breaking point actually in 2011, where I realized I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. And wow on the world and solve every problem for myself. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of having a breakdown in a relationship, 
uh, high risk surgery that was before me and then a betrayal at my job at that time. It was just too much. And I just said, okay, I surrender. I cannot do this on my own. And God just showed me the way. Mm-hmm. And that's where it, it truly began. So as a result of that, there was so much being taught to me. And then I just had this huge spiritual hunger grow where I really began seeking out more and actually did a, a ministry school for a year and then interned after that. But while I was going through it, met this fabulous doctor who was actually teaching people the exact same thing I was being taught in this time of, of transition. And I knew that was the, the course I needed to take. So I took it and knew that was my purpose as a result of it. You know, I was still working my job and was fearful of letting go that security, you know? And so- Is this Dr. Allen that you're talking about? It is. Oh, okay. Could you tell us a little about Dr. Allen and his wife? Absolutely. So Dr. Allen McCray, just like I said, an amazing man and Sharon McCray, and she just recently passed, unfortunately, uh, this past July, but just such a, a loving and beautiful couple that their heart is totally about helping people realize the, the life that they were meant to live. And so what he would do is certify people, but before we could be certified, we needed to go through transition as well to make sure we're in a healthy place because he didn't want on his head us being certified, but going out here training other people from a very unhealthy state. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that we have arrived, but it's to say that we are willing to put in the work and realize the need for us to continue to grow and it just became such a loving community. And you knew that you were home. It it just didn't matter um, where you came from. You were accepted as you are and you were brought up from that place. And I am just truly thankful for for Dr. McCray and and what he's done, what he's taught me and Mrs. McCray and the great love that both of them have exuded and still he does to this day. And he's, you know, back in it, training and teaching and he's someone that I can go back to at any moment. And I know he's there for me. And his uh, business title is? Well, he is a certifier of transformational coaches. And he has created Life Impact Institute. That's it. Yeah. Life Impact Institute. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Great. And that's down around Phoenix, isn't it? Just outside? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he actually ended up, by means of him, I was connected with Families and Fathers Coalition of America and with the uh, founder, James Rodriguez, and have been able to 
not only assist him on a volunteer basis, but also put on workshops for uh, some of his annual conferences and that which have been held in San Diego and in Los Angeles. So that was a great connection. Many people there, just beautiful, loving people. I had never heard of that title or that approach. Can you expand on this fatherhood uh, program that, and how you as a, as a woman, as a mother, without a father in, in a sense, uh, fit into that? Well, even though my father wasn't present there in the home with me, I had a father that was part of me being born. Okay. And <laughs> to be able to come from that standpoint of knowing the need of a father. Fortunately, I always knew that even though my physical father wasn't there, God was my father. And yes, there were father issues that have come up since then, but there are so many that ache and yearn and they, they turn to uh, so many different things, say uh, like a teenage girl, she begins to seek out attention be when there's a, a lack of a father figure or father in the home or just that it, the guidance from the father. And that's been proven to be the case. So knowing that I can still in some kind of way add value to others and be able to express from my standpoint and then have fathers come from theirs. So when you come together, you can still cause this healing and, and grow. So it's not a one-sided deal. Also, there's a, unfortunately a great deal of injustices that take place with when there are fathers that want to be a part of the family and unfortunately not allowed because it's being used as a tool to um, get back at them. So whatever way that I could possibly be of assistance, that is my desire. And I don't wanna see any injustice being done to anyone. There's a, a lot of ways injustice happens, whether it's through the criminal justice system or whether it's through the immigration system or, uh, and you're down around Phoenix, so there's you know, both of those things uh, apply. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you would then uh, be a resource person for someone that might be referred to you for help in that uh, area. Is that the way it works? Absolutely. You know, if, if I'm not able to give the, the, the suitable help that a person may need. And, and I'm more than willing to speak that up. If I talk to someone and realize, hey, this isn't really a good match, I want to refer them to someone that I know will truly benefit them so that they can get over whatever that obstacle is in their life. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm more than happy to assist individuals on that level as well. Which is the value of all the networking that you're able to do and, and learn what's available in uh, not only just Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale area, but uh, you know, people can now connect like we're connecting uh, through the internet in various ways. Yes, 
there's a Phoenix networking that's done here. And Gally, she's amazing. I have been a part of her group. And once again, this is somebody that just comes from their heart and just want to connect people, want to get to know people. It's not about let's do business. It's wanting to actually know the person and what commonalities you may have. And somebody that you may need, I may know them, but until we actually talk, we have no idea. So that's what it's really about. You know, when you talk about connections, that's true connections because you're able to get to know who that person is and not just a title, not just someone that can possibly get some work out of you or vice versa. You know, it's, it's about really connecting from the heart. So once again, that's an inside job as well. Mm -hmm. So with your, I guess you call folks clients? We go by clients, but also it's not where there's this 10 foot pole between us because we can actually be friends at the same time knowing that it's a safe space for an individual. And no matter what type of friendship you have, you don't cross that line. Mm -hmm. So at the, the times that it's necessary, you wear the coaching hat. You can actually take that off and still be a friend and have a connection with them. That's one of the beauties of it is it's different when you're looking at, say, license counseling and so forth, because there is a requirement that they keep that very separate. So this can actually be much more intimate. And as a result, I feel that I'm able to serve people on a, on a great level due to the fact that I can have that, that intimate connection with them. That flexibility that um, that licensed uh, counselors can't get past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, folks, if you've come in and I haven't mentioned her name, this is Linda Rousseau that we're talking with. Uh, she's a transformational coach down in uh, lives in Phoenix, but your your business is out of Scottsdale, uh, yes. Arizona, and uh, she has the handle Mind Surgeon. So I don't know that you know that I've been in the mental health area myself in terms nah. of uh, teaching health education and wellness and, and wrote a book called uh, I Am Not My Thoughts. So I'm just really fascinated with uh, getting into some more conversation about this mind surgery and how you think of the mind and how you approach uh, people's beliefs and uh, how much you might bring in uh, your faith into your conversation or, you know, okay. can we uh, just open that up a little bit more? Absolutely. And I love the title of your, your book. You know, <laughs> it is, it's truly perfect because we may think something and because we have these thoughts then we start to look at ourselves in a certain way. But we're really not our thoughts. You know, thoughts can come, thoughts can go, but if we ponder on it, 
and stay with it, then that's when it can start taking a hold of us. And as a result, subconsciously, we just start following and doing the actions of it. And with uh, mind surgery and, you know, just working with my clients is to help them to be more aware. That is first and foremost, because if we're not aware of something, how can we do anything about it? And actually I uh, held a masterclass not long ago entitled, can what you know be what's holding you back? Because we may have certain beliefs and we don't think out of that parameter. But when we're willing to, first of all, be aware and see if it's serving us in the best way. And what I mean by that is, is it allowing me to go to another level? Have I been at this same place for the last five years, 10 years, maybe even longer? And usually what's, what happens is we allow life to beat us up so bad that we just become complacent. And it's like, I'm just on automatic going day to day. But when we become aware, then we can be intentional with the life that we really wanna live. We can remember the dreams that we used to have at a, a younger age that may have been shot down by someone, but we realize, well, maybe it is possible. We, we can start asking curious questions that pull out what's been locked up inside. And it's amazing how deep things become rooted. And that's why I use the example like of a, our very core. When you think of your spine, that's the core of your body. And if it doesn't have the strength that it needs, the uh, nutrition, then it starts to crumble. It starts to break down. And it's the same thing with our beliefs. They are at our very core. And as a result of those beliefs, they either limit our movement or they make it possible for us to be flexible. And we live in a society where we often are in a box. And it's funny because, because of the pandemic, we're using Zoom so much and we're in a little box, but it actually opened up a world for us mm -hmm. as before we found ourselves very limited. But these beliefs can hold on in such a way that they constrict us from thinking differently, from thinking of what is possible and how can I make a difference? You know, it's often become every man for themselves, but if we start realizing that if I start with myself, I can actually make a difference in me. And because of that, it causes a, a boomerang effect where it hits other people. And I actually like to look at it as a domino effect where instead of us falling over, it's each person working their inner, on their inner self and it causes you to rise up, you stand up and then the next person and the next person. So it starts in with one person, it works in a family, it ends up going to communities, then you have cities and states and regions, and then it's worldwide. And it is possible, but it, it just takes 
one person to say, yes, I'm willing. I'm willing to go through the process. And I'm not going to say it's all fun and games because there's things that come out of us that we rather keep stuff down. But when it comes up, that means it's ready to be healed. And it's just that willingness to do that. How much do you attribute that moment in a person's life of uh, wanting to change? Well, do you attribute that to any particular external motivation? Is it something that has to come from the inside? Uh, Because this seems to be the hardest thing is to, we can't make people want to change so how do you see mistake we can make yeah yeah because just like you think about people going to relationships saying i can change them oh first (laughs) thing you can do (laughs) and i am i know from experience i i was guilty so no it doesn't work it's no good but in the same thing we have the wisdom and knowledge of tools and techniques that can help people, but we if we can't force it on them. And it's a matter of them deciding, making that choice and saying, I want something different. Mm-hmm. Now, for most people, it takes an extreme pain where it's they they are so done with dealing with the pain, then they're willing to see what else is available. It's unfortunate, but un- at least they see it and they make the steps. And it was the same for me. I mean, I thought I could do everything, but then that pain hit from three different sides and it was like, oh, no, I can't. So that's what it usually takes is some kind of pain point, some kind of uh, huge shift that may take place in their lives and the lives of their family and and makes them start doing some self-examination. It's like, what do I need to do so that that's not my outcome? I remember very well at 30 years old having that uh, bottom out experience and uh, having to make a, a, a real shift in my mind to to start saying, maybe I need to go back to my Christian roots. And, and I, I, I just put it out there and it was within a month, things worked to get me to a particular group that worked on me pretty hard for a a long time. (laughs) But I, for as far as I'm concerned, it paid off. It sounds like you had a a similar kind of a help. Yeah, and you know, I I am deeply a believer of, of God and his work in my life. Now, if someone doesn't, I don't allow that to get in the way because I once again, I'm meeting them where they're at. I don't try to force anything on them. It's about bringing out of them that true identity, that their higher self. It's a definite blessing and benefit for me, but I can help anyone, mm-hmm. whether they believe in God or not. 
And, you know, just as you said, you can attest to that being a benefit for you shifting in your life. And even probably the reason why you wrote the book, because, I mean, you might want to even just share now what, what caused you to write that book. Well, that title of that book was what I learned the first night that I went for help. And I was told, you know, Dick, those things that you're talking about, all those things you're pouring out right now, those thoughts are not you. And that, that stayed with me and, you know, was reinforced and repetition years after year. So by the time I retired in 2015, I was ready to, all right, now I can put it down on paper and tell the story. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know from personal experience, and that's usually the what where we get our learning from, but there's so much that can be shaved off if we had somebody to guide. I know myself personally, if I had someone to guide me. Oh, yeah. And I know there was a point when I didn't want to hear it from anybody because I thought I knew it all. But there was also this point when I was yearning for someone and I didn't have a safe place. I didn't have someone that I knew had my best interests at heart and would just pour into me and, and pull out of me. Mm-hmm. I, I really am. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for both of us that uh, <laughs> that per- person came along that was able to be non-judgmental and uh, love us for who we were at the time. and. Uh, Yes. So speaking of, of non-judgmental, I think that uh, religion has tried to co-opt the word forgiveness. But, but my belief now is that forgiveness is something that we can learn to do, whether we're an atheist or an agnostic or a, whatever our religious orientation is. And and it seems to me that in your work and mine, that forgiveness is a, a, a big player in, um, in the process. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Forgiveness can be done by anyone. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are um, on a religious level or not. And once again, I am, I'm not going to knock religion, but it does have its issues, <laughs> and but the thing is, it's people. It's not the Bible teachings itself. Unfortunately, it's people that make mistakes, and it's people that are judgmental and also uh, use fear to get people to do what they want them to do. And that's those are some of the actual problems that have grabbed a hold of people and keeping them from being who they're supposed to be. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's forgiveness is something that all of us can do. All of us will benefit from doing it. And no one has a lockdown on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This comes to mind. Uh, how far can people grow? Is there any limit to how how good and beautiful and aware and so on that we can be? No, it truly is limitless. It's 
no matter what level we may find ourselves at, we can revisit the exact same thing. And because of where we're at, we have a whole new set of lens that we're seeing through. For example, let's say if you read a book and you go back and read it again, and it's like, I never saw that in the book. Mm -hmm. It was there, but you're just seeing it from a different place. And that's how it is for all of us. It doesn't matter. We never arrive. I still have coaches to this day. It's not that I no longer need them. No, I see the benefit in it. I see those areas where I may be lacking. I can help somebody else, but I need some help too. Anyone that is being authentic, they will not say, I don't need a coach. We all do. Would, would you talk a little bit about the word authentic? We hear it a lot. Yeah. I, I like the word, but can you kind of address it as what that means to you? Being authentic is being able to just be real with people, be vulnerable, and you can let them know the mistakes that you may have made. Sometimes it may call for you sharing what you're dealing with in a moment. Sometimes it doesn't. But to be able to really come from the place of a heart instead of having some side motive is Doing, when you're doing it from your heart and coming from a place of love, then that's where the authenticity comes in. And as a result of that, you are willing to be vulnerable. And it's not always fun, but that's when you're able to help the most people because you're able to show that I am not superwoman. I do believe in being supernatural and that that is meant for us. But by the same token, there are still things that I am dealing with and are being uprooted so that I can express it even more. Mm -hmm. And we as humans leak. <laughs> so that's why we need the reminders and the, to keep, keep uh, being brought forward by someone else and guide it by someone else. You mean we have a hole in the bucket somewhere? Is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> yeah, oftentimes a hole in the head. <laughs> hole in the head, yeah. yeah. I, I've been accused of that. <laughs> <laughs> the authenticity point that you make about love, I'm going to go ahead and say fear does not encourage authenticity. Is yeah. that is that a safe thing to say? It is. Because when you think of the, the fear that is usually holding someone back is fear of what others are going to think about them. Mm -hmm. Fear that they're going to think less of them. Or, you know, it's like, how can you help me if you still have a problem? And the thing is, is we all have some type of issue, but as long as a person is a few steps ahead of you, they can help you. And so fear does get in the way of being authentic. And it, it actually takes you to that other side of 
being um, an imposter. Mm -hmm. I sometimes even uh, the people you're working with, even the kids at, uh, back at the school, they can say things that they don't, they're, they're not a guru or a, you know, a teacher, but they're saying things that, that helped you see things about yourself that, uh, so I, I agree that yes, we need a, someone that's a little further along to also check in with, but also to be sensitive and, and uh, willing to learn from anybody. No. That's true, because you will be, well, you, you're probably not, but a lot of people are surprised to hear such great wisdom coming out of the mouth of a child, because they haven't received all of this tainting that we have, and they're able to just call things out, and it will stop you in your tracks often, and if you're willing to humble yourself and listen, then that may be one of the most priceless lessons you can learn. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great, great. I'm going to mention a picture of you that I saw. Not that it fits in with any of this, this that we've just been talking about. But I saw you on a beautiful pinto horse. What was that about? On a horse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually at a retreat and uh, with Dr. McCray. Oh. And, and so we were doing a um, equestrian session. So we were still going through sessions long after the coaching was completed, but uh, that's the beauty of it and, and being able to work directly because the horses feel you mm -hmm. and move according to it. So that particular situation, I was having trust in someone leading me. I couldn't see anything. They, they just had to lead the horse and I had to trust them where I chose to trust them knowing that they would lead this horse accordingly, that um, I would handle the horse in a manner that didn't spook them and my demeanor state remained calm and at peace. So the horse could totally focus. So that was a, a pretty beautiful session and amazing event. It's something I recommend to people, especially trauma, doing the uh, equine therapy. Yeah. Is Huge, very helpful. I have not participated in that, but uh, I've I've had some friends that actually that's their profession is working in equine therapy, and and certain horses have a wisdom that evidently is just amazing. Yeah, because it's not every horse. It's it's like people, you know they. They have their gifts as well as uh, people having their gifts. Yeah. And believe me, it was a long way down if I fell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were bareback too. And that was another thing that was uh, sort of curious about the picture. So I'm glad to hear that Mr. McCray, is it Dr. McCray? I don't know. 
Dr. McCray, yes. Dr. McCray, you know, yeah. uses the different modalities to, to help work with folks in uh, life impact. By the way, I don't think we've mentioned the name of your business itself. Uh, we've mentioned that you're a mind surgeon, but uh, what is the name of your business? Freedom is mine. Wow, freedom is mine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, an affirmation, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it was, the name actually came to me long before I knew I was going into the coaching. The, the thought was that I desire to be free. I desire to be able to enjoy life and not feel like I was always under someone's watchful eye, no matter how well I performed. You know, I, I've always been one to believe in giving my all, but I still often felt like I was un, under a, a watchful eye. And so the name was like, freedom is mine. And so I, I bought the domain. And then when I realized I was going into the coaching, it was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If uh, folks, if you've come in and I haven't mentioned her name before, uh, this is Linda Rousseau that we're talking with. Uh, she's a transformational coach down in, uh, lives in Phoenix, but your, your business is out of Scottsdale. Uh, yes. Arizona, and uh, she has the handle Mind Surgeon. So uh, a lot of us need some careful attention in that area. So Linda is one of those that uh, can do that for us. There's a phrase that I have used in working, well, teaching in the, in the area of suicide but I think it applies uh, in many other areas. And you've already alluded to it earlier. So the phrase I use is, the more you think upon a thought, the stronger it gets within your mind. The more you think upon a thought, the stronger it gets within your mind. I think that's really the same thing you were addressing a little earlier with uh, working with folks is how those thoughts are so repetitive and they get so strong in someone's mind. Can you give a little bit more to us about how to put the reins on the power of some of those uh, lines of thought that we've come to believe about ourselves? Well, first of all, asking yourself, is that thought true? And once we become aware and realize maybe that isn't true, maybe that really doesn't define who I am, then it's being able to, to continue in being curious and asking good curious questions that will lead us in a direction so that we can seek something more. Uh, well, who am I? What am I called to do? What am I passionate about? What, what is it that lights me up? And as we are able to ask these questions and just, it's not forcing an answer, just being willing to ponder on it, meditate for a while, these answers actually began to come and we can see the direction that is beneficial for us. We can see some of the things that um, 
may have been asleep or dormant for a while in our once again, get curious as to, is that possible that that can become my reality? You know, a person's dealing with a, a relationship thinking that I only get in bad relationships. You can ask yourself, is that really true? Am I only meant to be in bad relationships or is it possible that I can be in a loving, meaningful relationship with someone that compliments me and I compliment them? And so when you start asking these kind of questions, it is able to bring out a, a possibility. And from there, you're able to move forward. Is it pretty easy to determine whether someone is also dealing with a substance abuse uh, addiction or uh, an adverse childhood experience that uh, is so rooted that they probably do need to get a referral to another kind of worker? Yeah, you know, it's, there's usually telltale signs that one is able to recognize. And when it's, it's not meant to go over our head and, and say, I'm gonna make this happen. It's all about helping that person. So if it's something that I may not be qualified for, I may not be the best fit for, then I will let them know, hey, I really, I recommend that you see a therapist or a counselor, whoever may be necessary, especially when you are dealing with medication. Now, there are times when it may not be as severe, but they're on medication. Intuition helps. And I have been blessed with gifts, so I'm able to, to see certain things that other people may not see. But if there's a question, it's always wise to check with someone else and let them know what you're seeing. You don't have to divulge any personal information on a person, but to make sure that you direct them in where they will get the best help. Excellent. Excellent. So we have, we have a few minutes left. Do you want to share any more about how people can reach you? I know <laughs> I just happened onto you through a Zoom call this morning, in a sense, in terms of you coming into my real radar as to who you were <laughs> and what you, you do. How would people find you? And uh... Well, my website is www.freedomismine.com. Email is pretty simple. It's Linda at freedomismine.com. I have a um, Facebook page for Freedom Is Mine, Unlocking Your True Identity. And then also there's a Facebook page for Healing the Nations. That's where I've expanded out to make it global. So those are avenues where you are able to reach me. And my business phone number is 480-788-4499. And I can be reached at any of these um, email, phone number, mm -hmm. a message on my website. I'm going to put a, a link on the Facebook ad that I'm making for this show. Okay. Uh, uh, one of the stories about you that was written up. And at the bottom of that story, it gives a lot of your contact information. So 
that's another yeah. way that uh, people can, if they aren't writing these things down, they can uh, uh, access you that way. Yes, uh, and I am on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm. So we haven't mentioned that you're also a mother. You've got a couple of your own, is that correct? I have two adult sons and I also have five grandchildren. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> are they in the area? Yes, yes, they are. Oh, oh great, great. So you, you get all kinds of practice. I, I do. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I even had a, um, I'll be vulnerable here. I, I had a situation where teenagers, that, that was just the perfect age for me to deal with. But with younger children, I did not know why that was a more of a challenging age to deal with. And what was actually revealed to me is that I had this inner child of around eight years old that still felt unheard and like I didn't matter. And as a result, I was mirroring the same treatment on younger children, elementary age and younger. So it was as if they didn't matter or, or they didn't have a voice to be heard. And I was so surprised to learn that because it was so much of a, um, my determination to be patient and this go around, do an even much better job. But it would get to those points where it was like, okay, that's enough, I can't take it. But it was, it was all based on that. And once I had that realization, it didn't matter. The things that I would get upset about all of a sudden just melted away. And it was like, oh, it's no problem. One of them broke something of mine and it was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll replace it. And it's, it's okay, just throw it away, I'm good. So when you get to the root of the problem and uproot it, it truly makes a difference. And I can attest to that. <laughs> yes, I, I don't have as many grandkids as you do, but uh, I've got more cats than you do. <laughs> <laughs> and they're great teachers of patience and uh, all kinds of, of wonderful lessons. Yes. Do you have any particular books that you, your go-to books, or, or even as far as that goes these days, uh, any particular YouTube people that you would say, boy, can't go wrong with that? Uh, I am an avid reader. I'm currently listening again on audiobooks to um, Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm -hmm. And... Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, Napoleon Hill with Sharon Lecter with the updated version, Outwitting the Devil, Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer, uh, Les Brown, I want to, you got to be hungry, or I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, just listening to these pe people with such great wisdom, insights, respect that they have earned and their experience um, 
Dr. McCray's book is also Who's Wearing the Mask? Oh. We go through life with the mask on and don't even realize it. So there's been, there's, and the Bible, needless to say, you know, that's my core. I've been an avid reader all of my life and will continue to. And so there's just books that are constantly <laughs> to me and through me and I'm just a continuous learner. I do some YouTube channels, you know, uh, Joe Dispenza and doing some, some meditation and things of that sort. I, I really enjoy the reading part and the having the book in hand. Well, I think you're going to get a, another book real soon if I can get your address, but I'll get that later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Linda Rousseau, uh, what a great pleasure to get to know you. This is wonderful. I'm here. Thank you for the opportunity. Friends, uh, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. Talk to you soon. Take care.